I'm Mike Sklenz, and welcome to Nintendo World Report's Connectivity, Episode 3. On this week's episode, Andy, Scott, and myself open up the mailbag to field some of your questions and comments. Then, Neil joins Zach and Andy in a discussion on Mega Man, Dr. Wily's Revenge. Neil and Zach will then wrap things up with a chat about Tetris Axis and The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Anniversary Edition. After that, feel free to stick around for a nice long discussion of our favorite series, Doctor Who. As always, don't forget to email us your questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Welcome to the Week in News on NWR Connectivity. I'm going to run through the news with you this week. My name is Andy Gergen, and with me again this week are Mr. Mike Sklens. Hello. And Zachary Miller. I have tendonitis. Oh, God, Zach. You always have something. Yep. Are you in the hospital this particular week? Eh, no, I'm just wearing a wrist brace. Okay. I suspect I suspect I got it through uh, excessive masturbation. Furious masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we don't have much in the way for news for you tonight because it's been kind of a slow week, but we do have some listener mail, so we're going to go ahead and tie that into the news segment. Um, in fact, this segment's going to be largely listener mail and not much news because the news this week is pretty light. But let's kick it off anyway. First story up is Resident Evil Revelations now has official release dates both for Europe, with it, which is January 27th, and North America on February 7th. So Europe's actually getting this game first. Those bastards. This is a bit. This is a pretty big deal. This is a big, a big third-party exclusive for the DS. It's the reason yeah. I bought the system, honestly. It looks gorgeous. Like the screenshots look freaking fantastic. Yeah, they do. They look better it's, than Mercenaries. Is Mer- Mercenaries is running on the RE4 slash five kind of hybrid engine, right? The MT framework. Uh, okay. Yeah, and and I think Revelations is running on the same thing. But I I'd be shocked if they didn't improve it a little between now and then. Sure, sure. Why not? Um. It, yeah, it looks freaking fantastic. It's uh, Apparently the story follows uh, Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield, and they're going on some wacky adventure trying to figure out who caused the TVS virus outbreak. I think it, so. I think it, the story must take place before Resident Evil 5. Sure. I haven't played 5 yet. I played a little bit of it with Nathan online, Yeah. but I don't really know what happens in 5. I, I really liked the early Resident Evil games story-wise, but I don't, I don't remember what happens in 4. It, it's been so long since I've played it. I remember yeah. they, they went away from Umbrella very briefly, but they didn't really stick that. Like Umbrella was back by the end of four, I think, weren't they? Uh, yeah. At least in, in well, some yeah, form. Yeah. As, yeah. A, as like a teaser. Right. But uh, that's all I got to say about that. I mean, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming soon, and uh, now we know we'll have it by uh, the end of the next fiscal year in yes. North America. Shortly. I mean, actually, a while before the end of the next fiscal year, which is nice. Um, we'll, the have next like, story. we'll have like three good DS games in a row. We'll have Mario Kart, Mario 3D, and then Resident Evil. Yeah. Neil made a comment um, after playing some Mario Kart and uh, Mario Land 3D in an email the other day that he's giddy about the, the the upcoming deluge of good games on 3DS. And I just can't, can't help but feel that, like, I don't know, I can't get giddy about games that are very, very similar spinoffs to games I've already played like four times. Yeah, the only like, one I'm truly excited about is Luigi's Mansion 2 because it's been so long since I played that yeah. first game and I really like it. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll play them and I'll enjoy them, but I don't feel like tangible excitement for this. But You like that Luigi's Mansion Jeopardy question, Mike? I haven't heard it yet. I have, oh. to, I have yet to listen to the episode. I'm sorry. You like that. <laughs> 
Well, we're going to go ahead and hop to these stories pretty quickly. The next story we have up is uh, Burger Time World Tour is delayed, which is you know a WiiWare HD remake of uh, the classic Burger Time game, which is not... Didn't even know this existed. Next story. Yeah. I, I, I'm they curious about HD it. They can do a HD remake on the Wii? It looks... Well, yeah. It, I think point. this is a this is a game that has I think similar roots to like Pac-Man Championship Edition. Uh, um, like I think it's in the same vein as those games, but this one's actually coming to Wii, whereas those games didn't. Um, I'm, I think it looks good. The graphics on it look pretty fantastic, um, but it's been delayed. It's going to be coming out uh, until uh, in late October, early November. Hopefully, it's coming soon. Um, I hope it has some kind of a cool multiplayer. I think it's supposed to have. Online multiplayer. Is WiiWare so. not 3DS Wear? Yeah, this is WiiWare. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make a ton. Yeah, according according to the uh, according to the the notice that we have on the website, the story it's been delayed due to additional testing for online multiplayer. So that's nice. That's kind of cool that someone's supporting online multiplayer on the Wii. I'll just get an error code. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Next story we have up is a. New story about Darksiders 2 for the Wii U, which is coming out, of course, later after the Wii. I think it might even be a Wii 2 launch title. It's a launch title, yeah. But uh, they basically said nothing important. All they've said is that the Wii U version of Darksiders 2 is going to have uh, it's going to have the visual parody with the competing consoles, which is kind of obvious, I would think. It better be. And it's going to have a unique control setup. So. No. Shocking. What? Shocking. On the Wii U um, controller? Yeah. This is not news. I Guys, I have no idea why we're talking about this. A, a news story went up a few days ago about this, but this kind of feels like the most obvious thing ever said on a, on a news podcast. Hey, hey I'll, bet, I'll bet you select your items on the touchscreen. I bet. <laughs> well, screw news. News is boring this week, so let's go ahead and dive into some listener mail, and yes. I'll go ahead and... Uh, I'll go ahead and kick this off, and, and, and we'll we'll go forward from there. Um, we have a letter from, from Wilson Robinson, and Wilson writes... Hey there, guys. My name is Wilson Robinson. We've, we've already covered that part. And I was a big fan of Newscast. I'm really excited to see what the future holds for NWR connectivity. My question is one that I've been curious about for a while now. Given the popularity of movie theaters, why don't we see something similar to this for games? New games could be there, and then you would get an hour or so to see what the game has to offer. It would be a great way for people to decide whether or not they want to get a game without fully investing in it. It would be especially effective for us Nintendo gamers, seeing that we don't really get free demos for retail releases. Curious on your guys' opinions. Once again, I'm very excited for NWR connectivity. I have two quick think... things to say, though. Shoot. If I can. Yes, uh, you can. They're already doing this for Uncharted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second thing is, when I went to PAX, I sat through many hour-long game demos and then bought the game based on those game demos and realized the games were shit. Uh, the only one I don't regret buying was the 2008 Prince of Persia remake. So that's that's not always a good way to tell if you're going to like the game because the developer is going to take you on some, you know, what they think is the best part of the game. Well, I mean, I think we can debate the merit of demos in general. I think, I mean, I don't play a lot of demos because I generally feel like I don't want to play an hour of the game and then go buy the game and then go play that hour again. Yeah, me too. Like that doesn't really appeal to me. But the the idea of, of putting games into movie theaters is actually really interesting like i i I don't see considering how little business movie theaters do aside from friday and saturday evenings Mm. i don't see why they don't like rent them out for parties i mean how awesome would it be to play a four-player split-screen halo in a movie theater or i've done that like maybe even like (laughs) network two or three theaters together and have like you know a party across cinema land party 
Back uh, like, back when I was in college um, uh, at Florida State, we have like a, a giant movie theater. It's like a 400-seat stadium movie theater. It's like a legit movie theater. And um, it was in a building called the Student Life Center, and we had like a cyber cafe in there too. So uh, at the time I was heading, we had like a little gaming committee, and I was heading that up and like putting together tournaments and doing that kind of stuff. And we would always do like we have, we're in a building with a movie theater that we have access to a really nice digital projector. So we would always play video games in the movie theater and smash brothers on like a movie theater screen is nice. freaking brilliant. I, yeah. That seems like a like, great idea. When you idea. are as tall as link in smash brothers, that's pretty cool. <laughs> this seems like link a no brainer, like charge 40 bucks an hour and do it for birthday parties. Like, yeah, I feel okay. like movie theaters are wasting the opportunity. Like I, I don't know why I don't see this kind of thing <laughs> happening a lot. I don't know. You could also sit and watch metal gear solid four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a good idea. <laughs> the the problem with that idea is that it's a really shitty idea. <laughs> it's otherwise pretty solid. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next letter then. Uh hey Zach, why don't you grab this next one? Sure. Okay. This letter is from Alex. What up, Alex? Alex writes, Hey there, newscasters, or should I say connectivityers? Um, yeah. never mind. Remember me? Probably not. I'm the guy who sent in the winning picture for that Photoshop Zack contest. The creepy-ass picture of Nintendogs plus Zack. That still gives me nightmares. As... <laughs> that, was an, that was an awesome Photoshop it, job. It I love that. horrifying, too, yeah. Oh, uh, good times. Oh, uh, yeah. We should do that again sometime. Maybe yeah. not me. Uh, I was looking around on the TalkBack thread for that episode, and I was amazed to see that I had won. Sadly, the contest was forgotten amongst all the Nintendo news, but whatever. I was happy to know that I won. A question? Oh, right. Having played Skyward Sword at multiple events, what can you say about having to calibrate the Motion Plus controller? Is it similar to Wii Sports Resort sword fighting, where you have to put it on a flat surface? That got really annoying after a while, especially when it went all funny in the middle of a match. Thanks for the great podcast. NWR connectivity is going to be just as awesome, if not better, than the newscast. Keep up the great work. Thanks again. Right. Uh I guess the problem with this question is none of us have played Skyward Sword, right? <laughs> yeah. That was probably more directed towards Neil, who is uh, unfortunately not here right now. So He never mentioned. Um, he never brought it up, though. It's, I think it's worth noting that Neil did reply in the email, though. Let me pull that up. Um, Neil replied and said, Hey, man, we'll obvious, obviously we'll answer this full on in the show. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not. But he, he can say that he never had to deal with any calibration mid-game. Uh, he recalls there being something at the start of the playtime, but that was it. He says he thinks there is an optional menu feature to recalibrate at any time. So Neil seems to think it's not that big of a deal, but he also only played it for like short bursts. So. And he also only ever played it like at a Nintendo event where they right. obviously would have calibrated yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. And it is, I, a, um, it is a thing I worry about. When you guys think about Skyward Sword, like based on what you know about the game so far, do you, does like the whole motion plus thing even really enter your mind? Because no. it doesn't for me. Like It enters my mind in that I do not have a Motion Plus controller, so therefore <laughs> I'm getting a shiny gold one, but if I already had one, it, would just, it wouldn't really be a thing. I, like, I, I, I think about the visuals, and I think about like the Skyward stuff, and I think about like the little companion he's going to have, but like honestly, I always forget about the fact that I'm going to be playing this game standing up. <laughs> when I, when you I think know, you about won't it. be standing up. You just got to make sure you're swinging up and down or left and right. That seems to be the, the gist of it. There are some things I think you're going to have to like at least get up a little bit for like rolling maybe up, but you won't be playing the whole game like that yeah probably i not. hope not it'll be like connect the more i think about it the more i just don't want it to do that 
Like, I don't want <laughs> it to be a, a motion-controlled game the more I think about it. Like, at this point, six years after the launch of the Wii and the the attempt at, at you know, making motion controls the next big thing, I'm over it. I just want a f- game that controls, like, all the other Zelda games that I've played. You don't want the game they promised at the system's launch? Not anymore. <laughs> I, I might have wanted that game in 2007, but I don't care anymore. Yeah, I, I really don't care about the Motion Plus, and I honestly, I hope it's not a huge part of the game, because if I have to sit there and think, do I have to slice left, right, up, down, you know? Well, the, game, the game is kind of, I think, giving you... Uh giving you that information and like the, the way the enemy looks. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, but I don't want to have to put too much effort into playing it. I know that sounds stupid, but you know, I want to be able to sit back and kind of turn off my brain and play it. Well, I think, you know, if you get to an enemy that like, Oh, you need to attack this enemy by going left to right. If you try and swing up and down, like something will happen and your attack won't go through and then you'll immediately realize, Oh yeah, I need to go the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Andy, though. I'm not stoked about the Motion Plus stuff. I just don't care. I just, I mean, I'll probably think it's okay when I play it, but the chances of me at this point thinking that this is like a great innovation and control, that ship sailed. Long, long sailed. Like, I think by the time I finished playing Wii Sports Resort, it finally just kind of occurred to me that this is the only kind of game I ever want to do this on. (laughs) But... I don't know. I'm jaded, I guess, at this point. Bowling. Um, it only works for bowling. I think, I guess what I'm saying is I think it's very telling that most of the best first-party Wii games in the past two, three years have all used NES style as the control. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that says a lot. Punch-Out, Donkey Kong, Kirby, um, probably more than that, Mar- Mario Wii, New Super Mario Brothers Wii, all these games. They ha- They all have, like bits and pieces of motion control but largely it's just mapping a button to shake the remote right like that's not is stupid metroid metroid other m i mean it had the point at the the screen thing and i've always liked the infrared controls although they're kind of touch and go sometimes if the room is sunny but um metroid other m was still like a game that shoved nes style down your throat whether you wanted it or not Mm -hmm. yeah anyway uh we got one more letter so mike why don't you go ahead and take this one Sure. Uh, I guess this is more of a, I guess, just a comment than a question. But uh, So it says, greetings. I've written in before. I'm Jesse from Kansas, who has the 10-year-old who's now 11, second-generation gamer who's more into Zelda than I am. Which is awesome. He was also able to meet a number of us at uh, E3 since he was also there for our website, which I will gladly plug since he took all this time to write this giant thank you letter to us. Uh, so his website is uh, vgtribune.com. Uh, I thought I'd write in and say that I like the new format. I enjoyed listening to the video game Jeopardy. Uh, I'm trying to get my kids more interested in the TV show, and the two of them have signed up to take the kids' test tomorrow. Nice. I don't expect... Yeah, I don't expect high things. I just want to see how they handle the format. Uh, though the young one already has delusions of grandeur, thinking of how she's explained to her friends and teacher that she'll have to miss school later this year to record a show. <laughs> uh, when you're getting ready to have listener games, I'd be interested in participating. I think I may have gotten half the questions right in your game, excluding the final Jeopardy question, uh, of which I would have wagered zero and put in as a joke answer, who are Frick and Frack? <laughs> <laughs> At least, that's the first thing that came into my head, as I've never played the, that game maybe more than two or three times in the arcade when it was new. I look forward to the next episode, uh, now to go through the backlog of other episodes in my library, including the three-week-old radio trivia and the last two Radio Free Nintendos that he has let, yet to listen to. Talk to you all later, and thanks for putting on the podcast. 
Sir, you are Thank absolutely you. welcome. Thank That's you, awesome. Jesse, for listening to us before Radio Free Nintendo. As far as the as far as the NWR uh, Jeopardy thing went, I, I think it turned out really nicely. Uh, but yeah, that final Jeopardy question was insane. That was, that was me trolling everybody. Uh, yeah, that was basically Zach's way of saying "f you" to every single buddy on the site. You don't know, you don't know, dig about Primal Rage? Well, you suck at <laughs> life. Uh, no, I think we're gonna we're gonna do it again, and we're gonna like. Um, I think clean yeah, it up well, a little bit. We're definitely going to do it at least once because I missed it. Yeah. And oh, it will get better every time we do it. And we're going to need to eventually do a, a listener one, and we'll probably maybe do like an email contest in to see who who, uh, who we get on as contestants, and uh, we'll work all that out. Maybe even have some actual prizes. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a really cool show idea, and that's, that kind of goes along with connectivity is that we're just going to kind of throw all kinds of different segments at the wall and see what sticks, and I think that one definitely sticks and i guess this kind of leads just into the basic idea that you know clearly we're we're still kind of figuring this out so if you have any really cool ideas for segments you want to hear uh, you want to hear from us uh, like either specific discussion topics or a cool idea like like the jeopardy idea we're open to suggestion because we're kind of feeling this out i mean yeah come up with ideas so we don't have to yeah exactly <laughs> do our work for us damn it I mean, we'll, we'll be doing news regularly, obviously, but on a week like this where there's not much news, it's kind of nice that we have uh, three excellent listener mail suggestions to go through. So keep emailing us to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, and uh, usually we, we accumulate listener mail for two to three weeks and then kind of blow through it all at once. So um, if you don't hear your letter right away, don't don't worry. We're, we'll get to it, and if we don't, it's because we're horrible people and we forgot, not because we <laughs> excluded it or something. Um, I but, was too uh, busy masturbating excessively. To Primal Rage uh, fan, fanfic. Ugh. Ugh, God, I just got shivers. Anyway, that's all we got for, for news and listener mail this week. Um, we have much more connectivity to come, though, so stay tuned. Dr. Wily's Revenge. Uh, with me right now, we got Andy Gergen and Zach Miller. And let's not waste any time and let's just start talking about this this Game Boy game, this Game Boy game, this Game Boy debut of Mega Man. The Blue Bomber Zach minus the Blue. Almost a yeah. launch title. Was it yeah, really? Uh, yeah. I think it's 19, 1990, 1991, somewhere oh. around there. But I mean, what this game is, is it's kind of like a, a weird composite of Mega Man 1 and 2, I, I guess. As they they all four... were except four. Okay, yeah, I'm not really familiar with the the future of the Mega Man Game Boy titles, but I did own this game as a kid, and I never really got anywhere past like uh the original the the first four, which yeah. are all Mega Man One bosses, and then uh, after that you basically just go through a a Wily stage, and then you just do a run through of Mega Man Two bosses, which is which is cool, but yeah. Yeah. It's an all right game, and they don't I even guess. get their own stages. Yeah, that's that's the kind of disappointing thing is um, when I was replaying this because as I as I said, I had this game as a kid, but I never got past the the first four. I would beat some of them, but I never beat all of them. And uh, 
what I ended up doing in this one is thanks to save states, I was able to beat it. I ended up beating it in about, I think it took me about two, two and a half hours. Thank you, yeah. 3DS playtime calculator. Yeah. Um, but I got to the second part and I was kind of dismayed because I thought I was going to have full stages for each of the other four robot masters, but I did not. You have but that in the e- second game. Okay. Which but even is still, far I mean, better. I, I, I won't lie. I, kind of enjoyed this game and i think part of the reason why i enjoyed it is because some of the frustrating sections were kind of wiped out by having the ability to use safe states yeah because there are parts that i remember as a kid just being like fuck this game but here i could just save state there get past it save state then go on with the rest of the level and enjoy it yeah if it weren't for the safe states i would not have played more than 20 minutes of this game if that yeah and I, i'm sure i overused them but that's what happens the disappearing when the game is blocks really in wiley's uh space station are just brutally hard yeah i just love it's like whenever there's a block that's low to the spikes i know that i have to jump up or else i'm gonna get trapped there (laughs) it's just like it's it's instinct yeah no doubt they're just trying to bait me it controls more or less the same but it's definitely a little bit laggy compared to the nes game yeah i mean it's it is something that's really uh i mean you see it in a couple other game boy games where you know the smaller screen kind of limits it whereas you saw super mario land kind of did it by making you know mario sprites super freaking tiny yeah and in this one it's just kind of like they make the screen smaller so right, it's yeah. like the, it's like the same size the camera's really zoomed in yeah how yeah, close that's, are that's the stages to the original Mega Man? Because I, I was thinking no, I had read somewhere that they were pretty close. They're not. No. Not at all. Are they? Are they similar at all? They're or similar they... thematically, but that's about it. Okay. okay. So it's not original content. Or it's not recycled content. It's original content with right. recycled themes. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I'm enjoying nice. it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to play all the way through it or not. Like, there's it takes a lot of patience to play through a Mega Man game, even with save states. Yeah. Uh, I I should tell you, uh, Andy and Neil, you probably didn't you beat it, right, Neil? Yeah, yeah. Andy, I beat it. you can only beat Wiley with one of the sub weapons, and so you have to get in there with a full tank of Cutter, I think. Yeah, I f- I forget exactly what it was. Um, it's either Cutter or Electric. Beam <laughs> actually, thing. I I downloaded this game on my honeymoon, and so for the flight mm-hmm. back, I was like, I don't want to get to a point where I'm like, I don't even know what to use. So I just made a mental note of what sub weapons to use for for the wily bosses but it is that like it's pretty much yeah the only way you can hit his final form is with i believe i think it's cut boomerang or whatever yeah i really hate i think the the same thing happened i want to say in the first Mega Man nes game where you could only beat him with a certain item and that always pissed me off when they do that yeah because it's your mega buster for god's sake that's what you always have yeah i mean i think it should be like yeah you can use one item to help you out yeah. And make it a lot easier, but you should be able to beat them with, you know, the Mega Buster. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't think there's too much more to say about this game. Oh, no, there really isn't. <laughs> especially, I guess, uh, sorry, go ahead. Um. Well, I guess I, I was going to say, Zach, you've played the later Game Boy ones, right? Yeah, I played uh, all of them. Yeah. Uh, how all, many are there in total? I think there are four or five total. Um, okay. Do and you, I mean. And they all, except for the last one, which is an original game um, with original enemies, uh, they all feature the first three bosses from, like, the previous Mega Man, first four bosses from the previous Mega Man game, and then the the next four bosses are from the next Mega Man game. So, for example, in uh, Mega Man 2, Mega Man Land 2, or whatever they call it. Uh, I think first, it's just Mega Man 2. Yeah, I know it is, but to differentiate it from the yeah. NES game. Um 
the first four bosses are uh, the Airman, you know, the four bosses from Mega Man 2 who you did not fight in the first one. Yeah. And then the next four bosses are the are four of them from Mega Man 3. So okay. it's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I do too. I mean, uh, should we be looking forward to the later Game Boy games? Because I oh, assume yeah. we'll get them they, sometime. They perform so much better. And, and most of them are pretty easy. At least by comparison to the first one, but that's how it is with yeah. the NES Mega Man games too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I look forward to seeing more of those Mega Man games pop up on Virtual Console, especially because yeah. I've I've never played them before. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah. I I I remember I played the Japanese version of the last game, and I couldn't. And I know there's a store in there, uh, just like in Mega Man six through ten. Uh, I yeah. couldn't I couldn't understand a thing of what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, I think I'll buy that. Oh shit. I just wasted so much money. All right. Well, you can get Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge on the 3DS Virtual Console for a, uh, a, a I guess, a bargain price of $3.99. So yeah. if you're interested in it, go check it out. is a, a new Tetris game published by Nintendo and developed by Hudson. I don't um, know if I'd call it new. Yeah, yeah new is the operative term. Um, and Tetris Axes is, uh, you know, came out and Zach is on the review. And before I sent him the, the review copy, I put some time into it. And this is basically just Tetris Party 3DS, for better yeah. or worse. And there's some new there's some new modes, but none of the like bonus modes are all that great. Yeah, uh, I mean the AR modes are just shit. Like did you send me even... the card, by the way. No, you're supposed to use a card that came with the system. Oh, okay, it's not a special card. Okay. Yeah. But really, I mean, I I, I tried out both of the AR modes. I was actually kind of curious. It seemed fun. They have stage climber and just kind of like a regular mode. I hate but they're stage all climber like... so much. But, like, in order to do Stage Climber, you need to basically be constantly pivoting around the card. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, and, like, the other mode, the, the basic mode wasn't really that bad. And it does have the kind of novel mechanic that, like, you will wipe out, you know, like, a, a line with a certain, like, like item in it. And then it'll tilt it. So then yeah. you'll ha actually have to move. But it's more, like, gradual and not as constant as Stage Climber is. Mm. Which I guess they're, like, novel. But it's just, like... There's well, better ways to use AR than the way they're used in those modes. You know, you say novel, and that's a good good jumping-off point for really this whole game. Um, <laughs> all, of the, all of the new modes, and none of them are, you know, very few of them are actually new. I mean, they, they're novel, but not always, you know, not in a good way. Like, there's that stupid mode. I forget, it's like race or something. Where you're oh, a block, stage racer. Stage racer, and, like, the screen's coming up, and you just have to maneuver the block through... I mean, you're literally maneuvering one block through a maze. I think though that's kind of cool. Like, I actually enjoyed that a lot in the first Tetris Party on WiiWare, it and in this so one, I do old. like how they added the jump mechanic, especially with the 3D. It, it yeah, looked pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, you wouldn't spend nearly enough time on that, at, or as much time on that as even just normal Tetris mode. Yeah, you know, nothing on there is as good as endless mode. Yeah, um, I mean, that, and that's really the problem with it. I do like Fever. Fever is kind of cool. It's yeah, Fever is kind of like, I guess, Tetris's take on 
like bejeweled blitz and all those kind of like those minute long like yeah. you know keep high moving score. get the high score kind of game um and i i mean i didn't play a lot of it but i it didn't really grab me that much like it's really i feel like tetris is better as an endless game whereas yeah. bejeweled is better as a one minute timed game yeah and then some of the there's a jigsaw puzzle mode which is just hilarious you know you actually have jigsaw pieces that you rotate around to try and match up the the picture on the bottom on the top screen it it just or maybe bottom screen it just makes me laugh it's like this is what they've been reduced to this yeah. is this is not even tetris anymore yeah there's really nothing that was really that like that 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 was even remotely close to just the regular game of tetris and i think that's the problem when you get to something where you're like there's 20 different modes like that's that's all well and good but when the How best mode is a, is the best mode is something that came out 30 years ago <laughs> and you're paying 30 bucks for this like in all honesty my recommendation to anyone who wants a tetris game is just download tetris party on dsiware i believe it's yeah. 5 dollars yeah um and then I'm having huge online problems that I'm going to try. I think it's my router. Aaron gave me some ideas to fix it, but I'm going to need my brother over here because I could barely use email, <laughs> much less a router. So, um, But maybe online play is fun. Did you get to try that? Um, no, because when I, my time with the game was before it came out, so the, oh, the online servers was on, yeah. weren't worn up. Right. Um, and I didn't get to try download play because I don't know anyone with a 3DS nearby. Sure. But, I mean, I'm sure the online works fine. But I mean, and, and that's, that's going to be versus modes. mode. I, I've played versus against the computer against Bomberman, and that's yeah. okay, but it goes on a little long. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you know, I don't know. If you've never played Tetris in your life, uh, get Tetris Party on DSiWare. <laughs> it's very true. <clears throat> but we actually do have a good game to talk about right yes. now. Yes. Very and good. that's uh, Four Swords, the <laughs> anniversary edition that came out for free on DSiWare and uh, 3DS eShop the other week. And um, I know, Zach, you've played a lot more of it. You wrote a review that's posted on the site. But um, from my experience with it, which so far has only been... I haven't even gotten to the, the new stuff yet. It's so I've played, awesome. I've played single player throughout you know two two of the first three levels. And, I mean, it's a little slow-paced, especially you know playing it by yourself but yeah it is i really i can't wait until i can play it multiplayer with someone i'm, I'm, I'm gonna time. play three player today oh gonna be awesome and but frustrating so what, what makes this so cool okay what makes it so cool is you know it's i mean we've all played four swords or four swords adventures before you know it's that but the levels are so short that it never feels like it's dragging on yeah, that was my problem with Four Swords Adventure. I actually played oh, that too. Uh, this year. Is that it felt like everything kind of went on for too long. Oh, very much so. Um, and uh, you know the levels are short, and none of the none of the puzzles are hard, and the whole game is just get as many rupees as you can. Uh, and, and I just love that. It's just such a bite sized game. And yeah. then, and then you beat Fatty, who's the easiest boss in the world, and. <laughs> uh, and then the new stuff opens up, and my jaw just dropped. It's so cool. Can I spoil it for them? Um, Can I at least yeah, tell yeah, them what so. it is? You yeah, want I mean, to spoil it was, it? There, there were news about this. If you don't care to get the spoiled, then skip to the next segment. Yeah. So the next, okay. Do you, do you care, Neil? Oh, no, I know. Okay. The first stage is, the, is Hyrule Castle uh, from Link to the Past. 
Um, all the assets are from that, um, but the whole level is changed around to be a, a big puzzle. Um, the, and that's cool. The second stage is Link to the fucking, I mean, Link's Adventure. I mean, Awakening. Link's Awakening. You don't Link's even know Awakening. what it is. Yeah. I'm so You're excited. so excited. It's, that's the best. Like, I, we dropped into that stage and my, I squealed with glee. It was like, this is so the best So what, what like, segment of Link's Awakening is it based off of? Well, the first segment is is just based on kind of uh, random uh, Koholan Island area, and then the second stage is a castle, is a dungeon, and the third area is Telltale Heights. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and all the music's taken from the game too, and and all the music's taken from uh, Link to the Past too for that stage, and it's just so cool because everything's black and white except you and and the other guy. <laughs> and, and but even your sprites change like you don't look exactly like the link from link link's awakening but it's a lot closer to that than you know uh minish cap link yeah so it's so it's so awesome and then uh the third stage is of course the original zelda and it's it's hard man like and it seems like the visual style for that one is also cool because I've, I've seen screenshots of that where it's like like you said with link's awakening where it's like the environments all look like like they're ripped out of the NES game, but right. the links look like they're like basically a, like newer. a square peg shaped into a round hole or something. Right, right. That's exactly right. And that game, man, that last level is friggin' hard because it's not. It has one of those uh, uh, jump mat puzzles where you you hop on a mat and it hops you to another mat that hops you oh. to another mat that. And and that really frustrated. That was really the only puzzle in the whole game that made me uh, want to tear my hair out. But uh, they throw enemies at you like crazy in that last <laughs> stage. So if I was only playing with my friend Marcus, and he he doesn't know how to play a Zelda game, so he was dying every five minutes. And <laughs> every time you die, you revive, but it costs you an increasing amount of rupees. So eventually it was costing him like 500 rupees to get back to life and we were like we're <laughs> gonna end this level with like two rupees between the two of us so oh man it's so good and and i am so shocked i said this in the review i am shocked that nintendo put so much effort into a free game that's that's wonderful in all honesty i'm glad they did yeah and it really you know what i'm gonna say it it would not work as well uh as a internet play game i think it really is to the game's benefit that you have you know two or three or four people sitting around a table with their ds's so that you can say marcus go over here and do this you know <laughs> uh nelson i'm over here uh i don't know if you could do that with horrible voice chat you know and lag yeah but yeah so uh legend of zelda four swords is available um until February twentieth, two thousand twelve. It's mm-hmm. free. I don't know if it'll be available. Like, yeah, I wonder to about pay, that too. To pay for afterwards, but you know, don't 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 dawdle. Get this now. No. It's it's wonderful. It's and if delightful. you have it, if you have a DSI or DSI XL, and or a three DS, I mean, you can download it on each platform. Yeah, which I so, did. Yep, because it's free. Free baby. Yeah, enjoy, guys. Hell yeah.
All right. Well, welcome to our first ever bonus segment on uh, NWR Connectivity here. Uh, today I'm joined uh, by Nicholas Bray. Would you like a jelly baby? <laughs> and uh, Carl, let's see, he, he phonetically spelled this out for me. Uh, Castaneda. That, that's one way to say it. Um, Ca- Castaneda? Castaneda. Ah, it's fine. Castaneda? Oof, never, none of those, <laughs> none, nothing resembling either of those things. But close enough, and okay. uh, thank you for having me on my first time here on Connectivity. Gladly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're here to uh, talk about the uh, finale of uh, season six or series six, depending mm-hmm. on uh, your preference there, of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of talk about uh, maybe the future of, uh, of Doctor Who as well. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I mean, let's let's start right with the finale then. Um, what'd you guys think? I, I was kind of, you know, the finales of Doctor Who are always sort of these big, uh, big moments, and it, they're always something to look forward to, and I, I don't feel like I was let down by this one uh, one sure. bit. I, you know, I think that the fact that they decided to do half seasons this year definitely cut into the momentum a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, that that was something that was built into it from the start, and so we sort of got a mid-season finale, and then, it, you know, it picked up. Um, so it was almost as if, it was it was as if we were getting two seasons that, of, of a smaller size, I guess. Um, because of that, I feel like it it lacked a little bit of the scope that we had, you know, in Series 5, uh, which I... Don't get me wrong, I really liked Series 6 a lot, but I think the Series 5 was just a lot stronger, a little bit more cohesive. Um, also, I think it had more episodes written by Stephen Moffat, so it had that to its credit. Uh, season, uh, series 6 was really good, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I think the finale, for the most part, uh, delivered where I needed it to deliver. Um, but it does very much feel like the second act in a three-act story. Right, exactly, and you kind of get that. It almost does have that sort of like Empire Strikes Back kind of feel, you know, like where things end on sort of an uncertain, uh, uncertain note. There, um, Nick, what were your feelings about the, um, the finale here? I kind of agree with Carl in regards to how uh, the mid-season break was kind of a momentum killer, but um, yeah, I was also surprised how the finale was only really one episode long. I was so used to the two-parter season finale that um i don't know maybe two a two-parter could have helped a little bit i'm not sure um yeah i I actually i actually agree with you that i I was surprised um last week how it was sort of a standalone episode and it had nothing to do with the finale because this in the same way like i always expect those those two-parters i mean that's always what it's been up to this point also does this mean that amy and rory have finished or like is that it for them or i don't know you know, I I think that their story still has a ways to go, um, so I doubt that this is the last we've seen of them, seen of them. But I would not necessarily be against them not appearing as the regular companions for series seven. Hmm. You know, I I like Rory and Amy a lot. I know that there's a lot there are a lot of people out there who don't like them, but I I, I really enjoy them, especially Rory. But I would be okay with the new companions for series seven, or perhaps uh, different companions. Characters that we're already familiar with, which yeah. I think is a definite possibility here. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they how that plays out. Um, you know, I mean, that the ending of, the, of this finale, you know, the doctor's talking about how he needs to take a step back and be less, you know, pronounced and, and less relevant, I suppose. So that seems to imply that he isn't going to, yeah, have this group of companions that's traveling with him constantly. Um, I think it will go maybe like episode to episode, um, someone will tag along. 
Um, but I do know, like, outside, you know, sort of breaking the fourth wall a little bit, I know, um, um, what's her name? Karen, um, yes. Um, she's, I mean, confirmed to be in the seventh series. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, yeah, I absolutely think we're going to see them again, but ultimately, their story is done. I think so, yeah. You know, they have, their their character arc is finished. Amy has gotten over her, you know, deity worship of the Doctor, and right. Rory has really come into his own as, like, you know, he's obviously still meek in some respects, but he's definitely not the the person that you meet in uh, the 11th hour. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, and so they they both sort of had full character arcs. It would be a shame to just throw them into another series just to have them there. Right. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love the actors, and I think they're great characters, but I just think that their time has sort of gone by. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, especially, and Nick, you probably don't have this in Australia. I, I don't know. But um, the um, sort of, I don't even know what you'd call it, the, this opening that comes before the credit sequence of, like, the, the TARDIS flying through space. Oh, I hate, um, I hate that. Um, do you, <laughs> I really do you hate have that? that? Yeah, we do. That, that that snippet of like of yeah of, of Amy talking. My about name is Amy how, Pond, is... and I'm traveling with the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys have, see, I hate that too. See, oh, I think that that does not like, bother me at all. Like an, I mean, you. I think it was just, more like an American don't thing. To it. Yeah, it yeah. is. Like, yes. That's why I'm surprised you guys have it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd just I, cut I, that out. Well, because to mean, me, the, my favorite part about and I I've only been watching Doctor Who since like I don't know spring of this year. I just I flew through all all of it and caught up. Um, all the reboot anyway. I haven't really watched too much of the old stuff outside of like watching it on PBS as a kid. But um, the, to me, the, the best part was the opening and like something would happen or like either something, you know, like mysterious or the doctor would do something funny. And then you get that like beginning like whoosh of the theme song as it like kicks in and then the TARDIS flies, you know, flies by. And like I feel like that momentum is just completely killed by this stupid like cold open, like canned like Amy Pond speech. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that perhaps I I don't know. For me, it's very easy. You know, I don't watch it live. Um, you know, I, I DVR it and then watch it later. So it's very I can just fast forward through it. Doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, but I it's, you know going back to what you were just saying you know, on, a, on a brief tangent. Um, I think what is appe- so appealing about Doctor Who um, is that it encompasses every facet of nerddom. You know, like. <laughs> It's it re- no seriously though because you can go from history to sci-fi to like a sweeping fantasy story, you know, from episode to episode, and so mm. it really sort of covers all of those angles. I think that's why people are so drawn to Doctor Who. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, in episode to episode, you'll get different, yeah, different settings and a whole different mm. um, style of episode. Really, it, it's really the ultimate genre show. Yeah, well, it can it can be any genre. Exactly. You yeah. know, it, it, it literally, you know, flips and flops from, from genre to genre from episode to episode. So, I mean, I mean, this season we had, um, oh gosh, the pirate episode, which I kind of thought was the weakest. It was, yeah. Yeah, that was probably <laughs> the weakest episode. Uh, but even the weakest episodes are usually okay. I will say, entertaining, I will yeah. say, I thought um, this season was the most consistent in regards to quality of writing and episodes in general. Mm-hmm. Well, at least well, I think. Going back, I... I think season five was was a, maybe a little bit more consistent. Um, it did have that two parter with the Earth, like opening up and swallowing things, which I wasn't a big fan of. Um, but if for the most, part, I mean, the thing is though, is that I just feel like the, you know, you had uh, the the Weeping Angels two parter from last series, and then you also had 
the Big Bang uh, two-parter from, from the finale of last series. And I feel like those four episodes are so strong. Uh, I, don't, that... I don't know. Mm. I found those to be less, I don't know. I think I was getting a bit tired of Doctor Who by the last, um, last season. And I just found the, the format and the, the pacing of the episodes was just too, I don't know, predict- predictable or a bit boring to me or something. But um, I really, I do you think, much preferred this season. I was going to say, do you, do you think that maybe having it split up has then maybe reduced some of that fatigue? Uh, yeah, I think changing changing the structure of the, the season arc um, actually helped with that this year, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can see that being maybe helpful i mean ultimately it does make the wait for the christmas special way easier because i mean it's only what a couple months away yeah it's much easier to wait now i i was watching it with my my fiance and you know at the very end of the episode you know it popped up and said that you know like doctor will be back christmas 2011 she's and she's like oh that's not so bad (laughs) yeah well then comes the i mean who knows when we're gonna get series seven that's that's sort of the big you know, it's sort of left unanswered that we've, there rumors have been that we may not get a new series of Doctor Who until the tail end of 2012. Exactly, because they want to, they want to carry it into 2013 um, for the 50th anniversary. Um, I guess, but before we, I guess, speculate too much about um, season seven, I I guess we should talk about the the very end of of, um, the finale here. And I guess finding out, you know, the question, uh, of course, being, the title of, of the show itself. I think that you was know, the, lamest, the lamest question that I could possibly Doctor think Who. of. Well, I don't think it's a literal question. I don't think they, the question is literally, what's the Doctor's name? I think it's, mm. you know, um, doc, like, what is the Doctor? Like, what what is he believed himself to be, and how do people view him? Right. Yeah, I think that's uh, where I, would probably um, be, the direction that will probably go in, but the oldest question it's a little universe... I, I, yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair statement to say it's a little corny <laughs> to be like, well, what's the question? Well, it's Doctor Who, you know. It's, right. it's a little, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a little on the nose, I guess you could say. Yeah, a little bit, but there was still something I, that really got me excited about, you know, mm-hmm. Matt Smith walking back to the TARDIS, and then um, I, I forget that guy's name. It starts with a D. The, um, the, the blue, blue head guy. guy. Oh, the blue head? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, some, I looked it up today, and then I couldn't find it again before we started recording. Uh, it's something with a D. I mean, he literally did wink and nod at the camera. Basically, <laughs> yeah. It, but, and I know it was cheesy, but I was still just like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, know like, I... there's something about it. And, of course, the Doctor's theme, like, like buzzing in the background and stuff. And it was just mm. like, yes. Well, I, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up. I mean, the whole, you know... Uh, thrust of the series has been that in the premiere of, of uh, series six the doctor dies a future version of the doctor and so the whole series we've been waiting to see how does this play out how is he going to not die later on when we when we recreate the the opening of, of the series hmm. and so early on i think a lot of people were expecting uh, the gangers to show up the gangers being this sort of like dna carbon copy you could control like mind control that is introduced halfway through the series. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think m- I think most people were expecting the Doctor to just use a ganger and then somehow make it out of it. Instead, he basically did the same thing, but with the uh, I you know the basically robot. the life model decoys from Marvel Comics. They're basically the same. It's basically the same idea uh, of just you know a robot who looks, sounds, and basically for the most part is a copy of you, but it's controlled by. A small crew, you know, operating the robot, um, and so that is the thing that we see die at the beginning of the series, not actually the Doctor. Um, did you guys think that was cheap? It 
it was a little anticlimactic, I guess, but I feel like a lot of the um the finales with Doctor Who, there's this big catastrophic, you know, event happening and then there's just this quick sort of like Oh, of course, you know, this is how he got around it. You know, what? wobbly timey wimey. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like the the uh his plan or or whatever he initiates to actually, you know, solve these dilemmas is never really that impressive. It's more just sort of the ride. So I was fine with it. You know, I, I wasn't expecting something more complex than that. I think right. I, 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 oh. go ahead. I think um they pulled it off better this year because it kind of took things that you'd seen throughout the season instead of him just like magically doing something random and beating the day and winning the day. Um, mm. like they, yeah, I, I mean, the fact is they did foreshadow this. It's it's not as if they pulled it out of their ass kind of like they did at the end of Series 5. Yeah. Right, which is cool. And I guess, too, it, it also illustrates um, sort of the, the theme of this season and I guess a lot of Doctor Who is that, you know, people are willing to sacrifice to help the doctor. I mean, you've got all these people who, this is their vessel, you know, like this is their livelihood and they sacrifice their robot ship thing to, you know, to save the doctor, um, which is a, which is a big theme, you know, people sacrificing themselves for him. Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, um, I've, I've talked about my complaints a little bit, but ultimately I thought it was a really satisfying finale. I don't, I don't, you know, there were complaints that like, we still don't know why the TARDIS exploded at the end of the last series. Um, we still don't ultimately. I guess, there's, I guess there's still a little bit of mystery left around River, um, because she, she does not know the Doctor's name yet. Right, and she's got to figure that out. She has to figure that out because in her first chronological experience, uh, or not chronological, but her first uh, series appearance, she knows it. She knows his name, so that has to come or somewhere le- down the line. Or so at least she thinks she knows his name. Right. Exactly. Um, so th- clearly, there are more. There's more story to be told from her perspective. Right. And um, I, I guess moving into um, sort of our projections for season seven here, um, Nick and I were talking a little bit in the email thread before we did this, but I kind of feel like this next season would be the perfect ending for Matt Smith. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think that you know if, if they're setting this up like a three act story, then at the end of the third act it should end. <laughs> right. That's how I feel. I mean, that's. I mean, the the whole uh, I guess sort of riddle that was that was given out, you know, by the uh, blue guy whose name we don't know. Was you know about the eleven falling on the fields of um, Talensor or something like that, and um, you know it, it's got to happen eventually. And it's not that I don't like Matt Smith; I he's grown on me quite a bit. I, I like him a lot, um, but you know, like I'm ready almost for that closure. You know, I'm ready to almost see something new. Well, I think that you know when Matt Smith goes, I think Stephen Moffat probably will as well. Um, you know, he's you know he's he's sort of becoming a bigger and bigger name these days. Uh, you know, he he wrote the screenplay for Tintin, and he's got his other series with Sherlock, so, which is fantastic, by the way, for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, and, uh, you know, he he and Matt Smith, they seem to be so, like such a fantastic team that when, you know, like, like it's like you said, Matt Smith's a great doctor. I'm really, really glad to see him. I don't want him to go, but, you know, it's like they say, it's always good. It's always best to go out on top. Right, yeah. You know? Be- better to end it sooner than to have it drag on and, and mm-hmm. get... You know, yeah. worse. So I, I, so I think that uh, you know, at the end of the next series, I think we'll see the departures, uh, departures for Matt Smith and probably Stephen Moffat as well, mm. um, which would lead them likely into the big fiftieth anniversary extravaganza thing. Yeah, where we have uh, the um, CG recreations of all the other Doctors and have the uh, twelve Doctors. <laughs> 
Well, the whole thing is like, um, <laughs> I th- you know, it, it's it's pretty clear that what Moffat wants to do is he wants to do um, a four Doctor special. That'd be cool. He wants to he wants to bring in you know eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah, I would um, love that. But the holdout is Eccleston. Yeah. Is that true? He doesn't want to come back? I mean, I, I knew he wanted to leave when he did because he didn't want to be typecast as the Doctor. Right. Yeah, I think he, he said in multiple interviews that he's like, look, I did it, I left, it's done, you know, I don't, you know, I did it. Uh, but I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, this Just is so do huge. It. They might be what, what is your convincing Your career's really episode. blowing up, like, that you're still getting all that buzz off of your one season appearance on Heroes? <laughs> like, come on, man. G.I. <laughs> Joe, like, just do the movie. Just do the, just do the freaking special. Like, right. Because you know Tenant's in. Oh yeah, yeah, like a hundred percent. And what the with the Paul McGann from the movie from the ninety? Like, what's he? He's he's still doing radio specials, so you know he's. In. I was gonna say, I'm sure he'd love the opportunity to actually play the Doctor on film again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and and if Matt Smith's you know the current series Doctor, there's no issue there. It's just Eccleston who's holding out. Yeah, I hope. I really hope they get him because that. I mean, that's got to be what it is, right? I mean, some. Some reunion of the of the doctors, whether it's all the live ones or whether like Nikki were sort of I think being facetious, but you know some sort of manner of of getting all the doctors together. I mean, they are not above having other actors play those doctors. Yeah, but that was They've, that was back in the eighties when they recast Hartnell's episode, um, Hartnell's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they I and they, 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 they had a they, didn't they have Sylvester McCoy play uh, play the the sixth as well. For like uh, his last appearance or something, uh, I, be- I, I no. believe they had him in heavy makeup just so that because they have, what's it called the guy who played uh, I think it's Colin something Colin Baker, uh, yeah Colin yeah. Baker didn't want to do the regeneration scene and so they had to have Sylvester McCoy well, play him for that scene. What hap- what happened was uh, the higher ups at the BBC fired Colin Baker before the ah, show okay. it was about to go into production, and he's just like, well, I'm not doing your regeneration scene. So um, they had to put Sylvester in a wig and put him face down, and he like got <laughs> right. hit on the head with a box or something and regenerated. Wow, <laughs> so that's, that's what happened wonderful. with that. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly, I'm being, I'm being a little facetious. I don't really think they're going to recast Eccleston, but uh, I, <laughs> what I'm hoping is that he's just playing coy, and that he's just maybe trying to bury the lead, and that he will come back. I think he will. If he doesn't, I could totally see there being some definite like wink to the audience where you know like like it's these it's the three and and the ninth isn't there and then someone you know jokes that you know he must not have wanted to come or so, you know something like that. Yeah, he should send, he should like send a transmission saying uh, you on your own. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I'm something well, else. Yeah. Well, they they sort of had something like that with uh, the five doctors um, where the fourth one didn't want to be involved. Uh, and they just used archival footage to explain <laughs> why he wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. They he was u- trapped in like some sort of vortex or something. I don't remember what it they was. They used um, they used footage from a episode that never actually made it to finished product. Oh, and, there like, you go. Just threw him into some weird time warp zone or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that was that oh, was yeah. sad. I really wanted Tom Baker to be to be in the fifth in the Five Doctors. Well, he he said actually in, in interviews that he regrets not doing it, and that if given the opportunity, he would come back. So, I'm still waiting for him to show up as uh, some character in the new series. That'd be awesome. That'd well, be I mean, they they brought in um, uh, what's his name, uh, Peter Davidson. Mm. He was in that uh, that uh, what's it called? Time, uh, children, time warp or something? Yeah. Time crash or time the, crash. the children need in need spe- uh, special. Yep. So 
You never know. You, you never know. And I, I mean, Stephen Moffat is such a huge fan of this of this series that I think if given the opportunity, he would bring every Doctor, living and dead, into a into a serial. Oh yeah, if if it was possible, and sure. I'd love it. It'd be great. Yeah, um, it'd be a, of sort of like be a mess though. <laughs> well, oh yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of um, callbacks, in this episode there were you know three references to older characters. One of which was was a very very old character. Um, Exactly, the Brigadier, yeah, who I'm not super familiar with as not watching too much of the show, but I kind of looked into it afterwards, and the actor actually just died this year, and I guess that was sort of like their way to kind of like tribute or acknowledge him, you know? And, and yeah, that, him... that was cool, that. And it also, I was like, surprised at the time of it, when, at the time it was played in the episode, it kind of highlighted the Doctor's like decision-making, I guess, with him going, oh, well, everyone's time has to end kind of thing. Exactly, and, uh, yeah. Then he says, oh, the Brigadier's dead, and, you know. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't uh, do the same for uh, Sarah Jane, but maybe that, you know, they kind of already Actually, um, I, I was actually just watching Doctor Who videos on YouTube, and they actually did do that for her, but it was in um, the, um, what's that, it's that spinoff show. Um, Sarah oh, Jane the Sarah Jane. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. they actually continued right, on sense. without her in the show? Uh, did they, or did they do, like, one more to kind of close it? Uh, you know, now I'm mixed up. <laughs> I don't know. But, but if you go, uh, if you go, uh, yeah, watch. There's videos of it on YouTube. Of, yeah, um, go on the internet, kids. You'll figure it out. Yeah, just just do it. I'm not as familiar <laughs> with the old stuff, so I shouldn't speak uh, <laughs> about things I'm not, not too uh, knowledgeable about. I, I remember hearing something similar. I'm sure I'm sure it's something like that that you'll yeah. be able to find. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, but yeah, if, yeah. If, if you're actually looking for more Brigadier, um, the, uh, the Three Doctors special is on Netflix Instant Watch. Oh, cool. So it is It is there for those of you who are interested. Actually, a lot of the older Doctor Who episodes are on Instant Watch. Yeah, I, that's something I'll probably get into in between this and, you know, the, the Series 7. It's it's weird because I came in with, uh, in the Tenant years and then went back, and those older ones, man, the budget, you thought the budget was <laughs> low in the Tenant years, like... It's kind of ridiculous. Oh yeah, no. Like I said, as a kid, I, I like vaguely remember. I I would um, every like Saturday when I was like ten years old, I would go like stay the night at my cousin's house, and we would just play video games all night. And then um, but we take like a break for like a half hour or maybe an hour, and like to make a frozen pizza and eat it <laughs> at like midnight. And uh, my cousin didn't have cable, so we would just flip on PBS, and it would either be you know, like Monty Python's Flying Circus, or it would be old, old episodes of Doctor Who. So, like, I remember not understanding anything about what was going on and just thinking, like, what, it looked like it took $20 to make this show. Yeah, I um, mean, I think my least favorite was was John Pertwee, because um, he was just an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and he's cool. he was... He, no, dude, he, he was, like, the karate doctor, so, like, he was hi, chopping everybody. Hi, hi. Yeah, ugh. <laughs> And he was like eighty. He was so unbelievable that he would. He was like fifty six, Carl. He looked older than fifty six. <laughs> he he had those those bad British genetics that made him look way older than he was. And yeah, he he uh, he was not a cool doctor. Well, he was he was trapped on Earth. He was getting a bit like antsy. I guess. <laughs> um, but I mean, if, when you compare it to like the I don't remember the name of the second doc, uh, Tr- Patrick Trotton. Yeah, Patrick Trotton. Um, yeah, who was great. I love Patrick Trotton. He's awesome in every appearance that he shows up in. Um, yeah, he's, he's actually a, he's very similar to Matt Smith in a lot of ways, actually. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, he plays a, a little bit more, you know, friendly and casual on the surface, 
and then there's sort of a darker undercurrent. Whereas I feel like John Pertwee is just an asshole all the time. <laughs> there's um. no undercurrent there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, anyway, that, that, there's there's enough of your your old doctor uh, talk. There you go. Who's your favorite doctor, Carl? <laughs> your favorite old doctor? My favorite old doctor. I really do like Peter Davidson a lot. Uh, I think okay. he's great. I, although I guess everyone's classic doctor is probably Tom Baker. My uh, favorite. My favorites yeah. are like uh, number one to four, and then five's mm-hmm. okay, and then the other two I don't really like at all. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone likes Colin Baker. I think his not that he's a bad actor or anything. I think his he just got stuck with terrible writing. stories. Yeah, uh, Sylvester McCoy. Ah, uh, you know, it was just the, something about his companion just really put me off. Like she was like super eighties and punk and really just annoying. And he's and, he's. Uh, uh, Second companion Mel was really annoying. Yeah. So again, I, I I like the doctor, but he was, yeah, his he got saddled with pretty bad companions. And then, what's his name? Paul McGann. I mean, that movie was just it's just rough. It's a it's a bad movie. And what's his name? Uh, Eric Roberts is the master in it, and he's he is awful. Oh like, wow! Truly awful. <laughs> Eric Roberts is just bad in a lot of things. He was yeah. in Heroes too, wasn't he? So he was in Heroes. There's yeah, another yeah, connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, for me, I like Peter Davidson a lot. I think like his stories are a lot more youthful and a lot more fun. Uh, it, it got a nice little boost. It got it got really invigorated. I feel like in, when he took over. Um, but I do feel like no matter where you live in the world, if someone says Doctor Who to you, you automatically think of Tom Baker. Yeah, he's, he's ingrained in, in the global one. subconscious. Yeah, he, he's like he's the. He, you're right. He's the figure. Like when you when you think of Doctor Who, even in things that like have, uh, you know, like spoofed Doctor Who. I mean, I, even recently, I was watching an episode of Futurama, and like I think the TARDIS showed up at one point. Like the Doctor walked out and ran back in, and it was. I mean, it was that Doctor, you know, the scarf yeah. and everything. So like, yeah, that's... He, he's just ingrained in the public subconscious. Like right. you know, it, even people who don't know what Doctor Who is, if you showed them that, they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, but, yeah, so. that's true. I'd go. say like David Tennant's right up there now too is like being pretty recognizable as yeah, a doctor. I, I think I think so. Yeah, I mean D- David Tennant. You know, I was really psyched when they announced that Moffat was going to take over for Russell T Davies because I thought I think that a team up between Tennant and Moffat would be a fantastic pairing. You know, the the Moffat written episodes for the Tennant era were are you know they are the best of that era. You know, um, whether you're, whether you're talking about Blink or um, uh, Jesus, uh, Forest of the Forest of the Damned or Silence in the Library? Isn't that the two-parter? Um, and then uh, what's it called? The Doctor Dances from the ninth, and then uh, that is a good one. And then uh, what was the other one? Um, Girl in the Fireplace. That was a re- that's actually a really good one too. That is too. Yeah. Um, that it's funny that the Doctor Dances I think is when the show first really clicked for me. It, you know, it's right in the middle of that that season, and I was watching. It. I mean, I enjoyed it, but. You know, like, I'd heard so much, and everyone loved the show, and I just wasn't, like, getting it yet. But I think that episode, well, the the, the two-parter there, um, really nailed it for me. When, um, you know, when Captain Jack's flying away, sure, and it yeah, looks like yeah. he's going to sacrifice himself, and then they show up, and they save him. And I think that, that whole emotional moment there, I was just like, okay, like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm getting it. I know that they, you know, Captain Jack's off in Torchwood. Causing all sorts of rough, all sorts of ruckus and all that, but I really would love it if he would show up in Doctor Who again. I really love that character. I think he his character was the best um, 
when he was introduced, his first story, the character was the best in that story. Everything else after that, he kind of, um, I don't know, just, yeah, after he went to Torchwood and stuff, it just kind of started falling apart. Yeah, yeah, I've never been able to get into Torchwood. I kind of, I find it kind of schlocky, but um, I really enjoy when he shows up in Doctor Who. And he, John Barrowman does the most flawlessly amazing American accent. Oh, yeah. It is unbelievable that he's not American. I thought like, he was American. He's not. He's not. No, he's not. He's, he's sure? Because uh, uh, I'm pretty sure he, like, I've seen him at like, award shows and stuff, and he's got the accent. No, he think, I'm pretty sure he's Welsh, actually. Oh. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up as yeah, we speak. Yeah, I was going to say pull it up. Yeah, no, his character is great, though. I would love to see him interact with the uh, 11th Doctor here. And it, he's, he's Scottish. There you go. There you go. Oh, okay. And um, if, if next season's what we think it'll be, where sort of it's, you know, episode to episode, there's new companions... Um, then, you know, maybe there will be an episode or two with him in it. I would um, love that. I mean, it would be great. You know, he is a Moffat created character, technically. I guess he showed up, you know, he did show up in that episode first. Yeah. So it would be great. But we'll see. I, at, least, I think, at, least, at least the face of Bo. Well, the fa- I think the face <laughs> of Bo is probably done. But, no, <laughs> uh, but you know, I think, I think they're pretty dead set on keeping him with, in Torchwood. But even so, I would, I would love to see him in the new Who. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, well, I guess we should probably wrap up. Uh, we could talk a lot of Doctor Who for Oh, a long yeah, time. I could go on for many more I will hours. say, though, I will say, um, I didn't, I liked David Tennant, but I always found him to be not as believable to be the Doctor. I always felt mm. that he was an actor, and that's something I didn't get from most of the others. I think, I think the flaw with Tennant was perhaps that he had, like, to the extent that Amy deifies the Doctor, I felt like the Doctor almost deified people. Hmm. That he was just like, he was a little bit too much like, you know, a fan of humanity that it was like, it felt a little nauseating at times. Yeah, yeah. That he was like, you know, the psychic the psychic good vibes of, of Earth, you know, restored him to his youth, you know, like, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. It, it, that was a little bit hammy. Um, I would, if we're going to place blame on that, though, I think that, more falls on Russell T. Davies than David Tennant. I think that when you put Tennant in the hands of a good story, he shines. He really, really shines. Yeah. Yeah, he nails it to me. And I feel like in in his seasons, you know, he was always in charge and, and always in command of the situation. Um, and really, like, his emotional depth was, was always on display, and it was it was wonderful. Whereas I feel like in these, these two seasons so far, Matt Smith's uh, Doctor is a little less, like, in control, you know, I, I, I feel like he, he doesn't always have the situations figured out right away, and there's a little bit more of, uh, you know, exploration or uh, even just relying on his companions. Um, right. Well, I think, you know, he, he, he much more exemplifies the, he's a madman in a box. Yeah. More, way more than David Tennant, who is a little bit more of a, almost a superhero to, to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's really, like, infallible in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, except for the rare occasions where maybe his emotions get the best of him. Right. Um, but yeah, but Matt Smith's hilarious. So oh, totally. Yeah. And this doctor is just always, anytime he talks, it's always funny <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I guess that'll do it then. Um, thanks a lot, Carl and Nick for, uh, stopping by and talking with Dr. Who. Okay, um, so maybe we'll have to do this again after the, uh, the Christmas special. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> or just anytime we want to talk about Dr. Who. So, all right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, we'll see you next week. See ya. The first question, the question that must never be answered, it, it 